0: This is literally everything, 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 everything. If you're like me, you have a pile of books older than your grandma's mom and taller than the Empire State Building just begging to be read. To top it off, you probably add several books to said pile every week, yet somehow find yourself in a reading slump with nothing to read. Uh Uh-huh, I see you. In an attempt to tackle my never-ending pile of books, I decided to start a podcast with hopes of making some sort of dent in said pile, and maybe help inspire your next read. I'm Odell. Welcome to Just Read It Already. Welcome back, my friends. It's officially fall. And I hope wherever you are, it's meeting your expectations. I hope it's meeting mine. I'm recording this two and a half weeks before the official start of fall, so I have high hopes that it's nice and cool and I'm wearing sweaters and we're getting lots of rain and the leaves are changing and yeah, you know the spiel. Anyway, thanks for coming back. This week, I'll be sharing my thoughts on Rachel Lynn Solomon's Business or Pleasure, Andrew Gray's Drag to the Wedding, Richard Mirabella's Brother and Sister Enter the Forest, and Jillian McAllister's Just Another Missing Person. But before we jump into the reviews, you know the drill. We're going to look at some of this week's new releases. First on my list is And Then She Fell by Alicia Elliott. Not going to go into the description here because I reviewed this one on episode 25. Next is Lies and Other Love Languages by Sonali Dev. Also reviewed that one on episode 25. So moral of the story here, go back, listen to episode 25 and find out all about those books. I like both of them. Then we have Four Girls Who Talk Through Fire by Kim DeRose. Elliot D'Angelo Brent is sick and tired of putting up with it all. Every week she attends a support group for teen victims of sexual assault, but all they do is talk. Elliot's done with talking. What she wants is justice. Then we have Love of My Lives by Yamil Sayed Mendez. The perfect read for anyone who has longed for a legendary love story that transcends time and distance and the powerful magic of steering their own dreams. Then we have The Beginning of Everything by Jackie Fraser. This is an irresistible friends-to-lovers novel of resilience, hope, and new beginnings. Then we have The Wake-Up Call by Beth O'Leary. Two hotel receptionists and arch-rivals find a collection of old wedding rings and compete to return them to their owners, discovering their own love story along the way. Then we have The Witches of Bone Hill by Ava Morgan, a spellbinding romantic novel about family secrets and two young women who discover their Nordic witches. Then we have Unrealistic Expectations by Andy J. Christopher. When a relationship therapist gets dumped right before her new dating handbook hits shelves, she fake dates to save face in this spicy romantic comedy. Then we have The Museum of Failures by Thridi Umrigger. A riveting story about uncovering family secrets and the power of forgiveness set in India and the United States. Then we have What Became of Magic by Paige Crutcher. A new tale about a witch, a book of magic, and a beguiling and powerful creature whom she must free, even if it puts her life and soul at stake. Next is Devil Makes Three by Ben Fountain. A brilliant and propulsive new novel about greed, power, and American complicity set in Haiti. Next is Find Him Where You Left Him Dead by Kristen Simmons. This is a young adult novel about estranged friends playing a deadly game in an eerie folkloric underworld. Next is Land of Milk and Honey by C. Pam Zhang. A daringly imaginative exploration of desire and deception, privilege and faith, and the roles we play to survive. Most of all, it is a love letter to food, to wild delight, and to the transformative power of a woman embracing her own appetite. Then we have Running Past Dark by Han or Han Nolan. A young adult mystery following a teen searching for the truth behind the deadly car crash that claimed the lives of her twin sister and the high school football coach. That sounds interesting. Next is The Unsettled by Ayana Mathis. A searing multi-generational novel set in the 1980s in racially and politically turbulent Philadelphia and in the tiny town of Bonaparte, Alabama, about a mother fighting for her sanity and survival. Then we have Black River Orchard by Chuck Wendig. A small town is transformed when seven strange trees begin bearing magical apples. Next is Athena's Child by Hannah Lynn. The story of the most infamous monster of Greek mythology, Medusa. I feel like there's been a lot of books about Medusa lately. Or maybe I'm just imagining it. I don't know. And last on my list is Foul Heart Huntsman by Chloe Gong, the second book in the captivating foul lady fortune duology following an immortal assassin in 1930 Shanghai as she races to save her country and her love. This week, I received an advanced reader's copy of A Haunting on the Hill by Elizabeth Hand, courtesy of the publisher, through NetGalley in exchange for an honest review. I'm super excited about this one because it's set at Hill House, the setting of Shirley Jackson's famous creepy novel from, I think it was published in the late 50s, and also the setting of the amazing Netflix series by Mike Flanagan. Can't wait to jump into this one. Look for a review of this in a couple of weeks. I'm moving it up in my pile since it releases October 3rd, and I plan to have the review out by then. All right, let's jump in. We'll kick off this episode's reviews with the spicy romantic comedy Business or Pleasure by Rachel Lynn Solomon. This book was first published by Berkeley on July 4th, 2023, and was one of my aardvark book club picks for August. The synopsis reads... Chandler Cohen has never felt more like the ghost in Ghostwriter until she attends a signing for a book she wrote, and the author doesn't even recognize her. The evening turns more promising when she meets a charming man at the bar and immediately connects with him, but when all their sexual tension culminates in a spectacularly awkward hookup, she decides this is one night better off forgotten. Unfortunately, that's easier said than done. Her next project is ghostwriting a memoir for Finn Walsh, a C-list actor best known for playing a lovable nerd on a cult classic werewolf show who now makes a living appearing at fan conventions across the country. But Chandler knows him better from their one-night stand of hilarious mishaps. Chandler's determined to keep their partnership as professional as possible, but when she admits to Finn their night together wasn't as mind-blowing as he thought it was, he's distraught. He intrigues her enough that they strike a deal. When they're not working on his book, Chandler will school Finn in the art of satisfaction. As they grow closer both in and out of the bedroom, they must figure out which is more important, business or pleasure, or if there's a way for them to have both. Surprise! I found another romantic comedy that felt fresh and was a lot of fun. The storyline was engaging, the characters enjoyable, and the ending, while predictable, was definitely satisfactory. This time around, our protagonist, Chandler Cohen, is a talented ghostwriter who finds herself in a bit of an awkward situation when she attends a book signing for a novel she wrote for a popular influencer, only to have the author not recognize her when she goes up to speak with her. Granted, she didn't spend much face time with the influencer and dealt mainly with the influencer's team. but. You'd think she would have at least recognized Chandler's name. Nope. This sets the stage for a night of hilarious and awkward situations for Chandler. After this embarrassing encounter, Chandler meets a guy at a bar. They hit it off, seem to have a ton in common, that is, until they go back to his hotel room and proceed to have the most uninteresting and embarrassing sex that Chandler has ever had in her life. Needless to say, she sneaks out the following morning, expecting never to see him again until her agent contacts her, asking if she can meet with a new client who is interested in using her to ghostwrite his memoir. The actor is Finn Walsh, a C-list actor known for his role on a hit werewolf show from the 90s, so think Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Charm, Supernatural, kind of in that vein. This all sounds great to Chandler until she shows up at the meeting and finds that Finn Walsh is bad sex guy from the night before. He had given her a fake name. Cue the embarrassment. The deal ends up being too good to pass up though, and Chandler ends up going on tour with Finn as he visits several cons or conventions around the nation and well you can probably guess what happens, though how we get from point A to B is all in the story, a very spicy story I might add, and I don't want to ruin it for you. As Chandler and Finn work together on Finn's memoir, they are forced to confront their personal and professional boundaries. The author does an excellent job of capturing the tension and dynamics between Chandler and Finn as they navigate their complicated relationship. The awkward situations and witty dialogue are a highlight of the book, providing both comedic relief and emotional depth. The romance between Chandler and Finn is awkward, but sweet and perfectly portrayed. Both characters have their own individual growth arcs, and their development as individuals adds depth and complexity to their connection. The chemistry between the two grows throughout the book, and readers will find themselves rooting for their happy ending, even if we know what's going to happen in the end, thanks to the rom-com formula. One of the strengths of Solomon's writing is her ability to create relatable and authentic characters. Chandler is a strong and independent protagonist who is not afraid to speak her mind. Her vulnerability and insecurities make her easy to connect with. She's a woman who is comfortable with her sexuality and is perfectly happy taking charge when needed. Likewise, Finn is a lovable and flawed character who undergoes significant growth throughout the story. I really enjoy diving into the life of a popular TV actor who now spends their time flying around attending conventions. I mean, who knew these things could be so crazy, and from the sounds of it, very lucrative for the person. I'll admit that I've never attended a convention, aka con, like this, though I have friends who do. I get pissy around crowds of people, so I'll continue to live vicariously through my friends who attend them. Definitely not something I feel like I would be into. Overall, this book is a charming and heartfelt novel that combines humor, spicy romance, and a healthy dose of introspection. Fans of romantic comedies and contemporary fiction will definitely enjoy this one. I gave it 4 stars. Next, we'll take a look at another romantic comedy. This one's titled Drag to the Wedding, and it's by Andrew Gray. I received an advance copy of this book courtesy of the publisher through NetGalley in exchange for an honest review. This book will publish on October 17th, 2023 by Karina Adores. The synopsis reads, James Patika is living the single gay life he always wanted. A police officer in Chicago, he has a good job, good friends, and he's 2,000 miles away from his family's expectations. He also has a problem. He needs a date for his sister's wedding in Missoula, Montana, but his family has no idea that he's gay, and he'd like to keep it that way. The solution? Daniel Bonafonte, aka Lala Traviata, the queen of the Chicago drag scene. Lala is the real deal. She can sing, she can dance, and she can throw more shade than a solar eclipse. One drink and plenty of dishing later, Daniel agrees to help James out and be his incognito date to the wedding. Daniel's drag diva skills are put to the test right away, with the bride's ill-fitting wedding dress, a groom who's a danger on the dance floor, and more drama than auditions for a gay men's chorus. Faking this relationship, and ignoring the very real feelings developing between them, might just be the performance of their lives. The minute I read the synopsis of this book on NetGalley, I had to request it. In a time when drag queens are being villainized and the entire LGBTQIA community is continuously threatened, showing support and lifting up my community is as important as ever. And lord knows I love me some drag queens. In a nutshell, the story was cute, but overall it felt a little too familiar and at times I wondered who the book was written for. The story revolves around James Patika, a police officer in Chicago who finds himself in need of a date for his sister's upcoming wedding. Desperate to keep his sexuality a secret from his conservative Montana family, James enlists the help of Daniel Bonafonte, also known as La La Traviata, a local drag queen. Daniel poses as Daniela, James's new girlfriend. When they get to Montana, Daniela is easily accepted into the family, no one suspects a thing, and manages to put out several fires that could easily bring the wedding to a screeching halt. Now, As time goes on, and as one would expect, the more time James and Daniel spend together, the more real their feelings become for each other. The premise of the plot holds promise, but for me the execution and overall story felt a little flat, mainly because there really weren't any surprises. The characters all seem pretty cookie cutter. James is the gay, butch police officer who, before Daniel, would never have found himself attracted to a drag queen. There wasn't a whole lot of depth to him. Daniel, while enjoyable, eventually fell into the I can fix everything mold. While cute, it became repetitive. is it really possible for one person to be so perfect and have a solution for everything? Again, I just wanted a little more depth here. The other characters were also pretty basic and, dare I say, a little cliché, from James's overbearing mother to the clueless small town members of the community. Even the villain felt very familiar and didn't really bring anything new to the table. Everyone just felt a little stale. The book also left me wondering who it was written for. There were sections where it felt like the reader was being taught about drag queens and or the gay community. This might be beneficial to some, but for me it felt unnecessary and took away from the overall story. The romantic aspect of the book was fine, but didn't have me swooning or worried that our couple might not end up together. Again, it was all pretty par for the course. Despite these shortcomings, there are moments in drag to the wedding that manage to entertain. There are several scenes that provide some lighthearted amusement. The comical situations the characters find themselves in during the wedding preparation offer brief moments of enjoyment. Now, I in no way mean to imply that this is a bad book. It just felt, to me, to be a little too on-the-nose. As I mentioned earlier, there were really no surprises. I felt like I'd met these characters before and knew exactly where the story was going. That said, if you're a fan of a buy the book rom-com, then I would certainly recommend this one. I ended up giving it three stars. If you're looking for a gay romance with a bit more will-they-won't-they and some swoony characters, I would highly recommend The Gay Best Friend by Nicholas DiDemizio. if you're looking for a young adult gay romance, another one of my favorites this year was A Little Bit Country by Brian D. Kennedy. All right, let's take a quick break. All right, next we'll take a look at the beautiful but heartbreaking Brother and Sister Enter the Forest by Brian Mirabella. This book was first published by Catapult on March 13, 2023. The synopsis reads, Opening like a fairy tale and ending like a nightmare, this cannonball of a queer coming-of-age novel follows a young man's relationship with a violent older boyfriend, and how he and his sister survive a terrible crime. After years of severed communication, Justin appears on his sister's doorstep needing a place to stay. The home he's made for himself has collapsed, as has everything else in his life. When they were children, Willa played the role of her brother's protector, but now, afraid of the chaos he might bring, she's reluctant to let him in. Willa lives a carefully ordered life working as a nurse and making ornate dioramas in her spare time. As Justin tries to connect with the people she's closest to, her landlord, her boyfriend, their mother, she begins to feel exposed. Willa and Justin's relationship has always been strained yet loving, frustrating and close. But it hits a new breaking point when Justin spirals out of control, unable to manage his sobriety and the sustained effects of a brain injury. Years earlier in high school, desperate to escape his home life and his disapproving troubled mother, Justin falls into the hands of his first lover, a slightly older boy living on his own who offers Justin some semblance of intimacy and refuge. When Justin's boyfriend commits a terrifying act of violence, the two flee on a doomed road trip a journey that will damage Justin and change his and his family's lives forever. Weaving together these two timelines, brother and sister enter the forest unravels the thread of a young man's trauma and the love waiting for him on the other side. This is a beautiful but gut-wrenching novel that explores the complex dynamics of family, trauma, and resilience. With his eloquent writing and masterful storytelling, Mirabella takes readers on an emotional roller coaster that leaves a lasting impact. The novel opens with Willa visiting her older brother, Justin. We get the sense that their relationship is strained, but not much information as to why. After the first chapter, we get the idea that there's something wrong with Justin, and my initial thought was maybe substance abuse issues. We get the feeling that Willis struggles with feeling like she has to take care of him, but also feels as though she needs to make him figure out his own shit. But then as the book progresses, we learn why Justin is the way he is. Bit by bit, more pieces of the puzzle fall into place as the story flips between past and present and between various points of view until Justin's story falls completely into place. It's rough, and it'll gut you, but it's also so beautifully heartbreaking that I could not stop thinking about it long after I finished reading. Like Right now I even get goosebumps just thinking about it. Justin's character is so broken but so lovable and readers cannot help but become invested in his journey. Mirabella portrays his struggles with an authenticity that tugs at the heartstrings. From the moment he steps onto his sister's doorstep seeking refuge, the reader is immediately drawn to his vulnerability and longing for redemption. I went from being skeptical of him to literally wanting to crawl into the book and help take care of him. In a way, he reminded me of William in Anne Napolitano's Hello Beautiful. All both of these boys needed was a sense of belonging and someone to love them. So many people failed Justin when he was younger. I seriously wanted to shake his mother. She neglected him emotionally and never understood his needs, and I couldn't help but blame her for the trajectory of his life. Willa, Justin's younger sister, serves as the anchor in his chaotic world. As a nurse with a carefully ordered life, she initially hesitates to let him in, afraid of the consequences. The author expertly captures the complexities of sibling relationships and showcases the simultaneous love and closeness between Willa and Justin and their frustration from their past that keeps them wary of one another. Their relationship hits a breaking point when Justin's addiction and traumatic brain injury become impossible to manage. The tension between them is palpable and readers will find themselves hoping desperately for a happy resolution. The supporting characters are equally well developed and add depth to the story. Some of the characters that had the biggest impact on me were Willa's landlord, Renee, with whom Justin develops a very sweet relationship, and Nick, Justin's older boyfriend, and Grace, Justin and Willa's mother. Each character brings their own unique perspective and dynamic to the narrative, with the latter two bringing plenty of pain to both Willa and Justin's lives. Mirabella skillfully weaves together the past and present timelines, and even though there was a lot of jumping around, I never felt lost. To me, it was almost like living in Justin's chaotic mind. The most tragic part of the book for me was when we revisit Justin's high school years. This is where he seeks solace in the arms of his first lover, Nick, an older boy who offers him a sense of intimacy and belonging. All Justin wanted was for someone to see him and accept him and love him. He is relentlessly bullied at school, and his mother doesn't understand him, so she just kind of pushes him to the side. Justin feels isolated, worthless, and alone, so naturally he's going to seek refuge with someone he sees as safe, someone who gives him what he feels is love. This fragile sense of security is shattered when Nick, his boyfriend, commits a horrifying crime. He ends up skipping town, taking Justin with him, forever altering the course of Justin's life and that of his family. This is where we get a look at what caused a lot of Justin's trauma, and while it's raw and unflinching, it's handled with care. This is an exceptional novel that left me feeling all sorts of things. It's dark, it's heavy, but it's so well-written. In a time when people are trying to shove LGBTQ folks back into the closet, this is a perfect reminder as to how dangerous that can be, especially to gay youth who just need to be loved for who they are. This book is brutally honest and at times tough to read, but at the same time a reminder of the resilience of the human spirit and the power of love to heal and rebuild. It's a story that will stay with you long after you've turned the final page. This is one of my favorite books from this year. I gave it five stars. We'll close out with Jillian McAllister's Just Another Missing Person. This book was first published on August 1st, 2023, and was one of my Book of the Month Club picks that same month. The synopsis reads, 22-year-old Olivia has been missing for one day and counting. She was last seen on CCTV entering a dead-end alley and not coming back out again. Julia, the detective heading up the search for Olivia, thinks she knows what to expect. A desperate family, a ticking clock, and long hours away from her husband and daughter— but she has no idea just how close to home this case is going to get. Because the criminal at the heart of the disappearance has something she never expected. His weapon isn't a gun or a knife. It's a secret. Her worst one. And her family's safety depends on one thing. Julia must not find out what happened to Olivia, and must frame somebody else for her murder. If you find her, you will lose everything. What would you do? I read Jillian McAllister's Wrong Place, Wrong Time last winter and loved it. I especially loved the structure and how it unraveled in reverse. For someone like me who relentlessly picks apart every little thing to try and figure out what's going on, that structure was perfect because I never really knew what to expect. Just Another Missing Person is good, but I didn't love it as much as I loved Wrong Place, Wrong Time. It was a good read, but I felt the pacing of the book was a little slow in the beginning, though the second half picks up and delivers an exhilarating ride filled with unexpected twists, and at times, I felt like maybe there were a few too many twists. This story follows the disappearance of 22-year-old Olivia, who was last seen on CCTV entering a dead-end alley and never coming back out. Detective Julia Day, the lead investigator, is perplexed by this, but starts the case off like she does every other missing person case she's worked on. She's determined to get this one right. The last case she worked on was full of oversights, mostly because she was preoccupied with covering up something her daughter did. Something she thought for sure no one else knew about. But just as she begins her investigation into Olivia's disappearance, a stranger gives her a bag of evidence that she's to plant and the name of someone she's to convict. And if she doesn't, they're going to tell her secret, one that could have devastating consequences for both her and her teenage daughter. From the opening pages, the sense of unease and mystery is palpable. As with her last book, the author skillfully builds tension and keeps us guessing, even though I felt the first 50% of the book dragged a bit. And once we hit that 50% mark, though, a huge twist comes in definitely left me scratching my head, and then there's a realization that hits, and you realize that you've been looking in the wrong direction. But now what? I will admit, when I hit this mark, I finally thought, okay, here we go. The last half of the book speeds by, there's a ton of action and several more twists. By the end, I felt a little dizzy with all the twists and turns, and it left me feeling a bit tricked, if you will. Last week I reviewed Dark Corners by Megan Golden. And what I liked about that book was I was never expecting the twists. They happened naturally and were a pleasant surprise. There also weren't that many of them, but with this one I felt like the twists were almost too deliberate and a bit gimmicky. I was a little underwhelmed by some of them. Something I did like about this book was the exploration of complex ethical dilemmas. The issue of family loyalty and the lengths individuals will go to protect their loved ones is a central theme in this story. McAllister adeptly navigates the line between right and wrong, I mean, we know what Julia did was wrong, and the choices she makes to cover this up are also very wrong, but we still want her to be okay. This forces us, as readers, to question our own moral compass. Part of this is because Julia and the other characters in the book are well developed and very realistic, makes it easy to empathize with their struggles and dilemmas. And I gotta say, after reading two of her books, writing strong, realistic characters is definitely one of the author's strengths. You'll love a character for a while, and then all of a sudden they'll do something bad and it'll crush your soul. <laughs> Likewise, you might start off feeling ambivalent towards a character in the beginning or not like them at all, and then end up loving them, and then hating them all over again. As I said, this book started off way too slow for me, and while the initial buildup is necessary to establish the groundwork for the plot, it might deter some readers who prefer a faster-paced narrative. Nonetheless, the slow burn ultimately pays off, and readers who push through will be rewarded with a thrilling and overly twisty but satisfying conclusion. Fans of twisty thrillers will definitely enjoy this one. While I didn't totally love it, I did enjoy the book. I ended up giving it 3.5 stars on my blog and Storygraph, and 4 stars on Goodreads. That's all I have for you today. Don't forget to rate and subscribe on whatever podcast app you're listening on. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram for all things bookish. The handle is at Just Pod. You can also find links to all of the books that I talk about today on the website at JustReadItAlready.com. Please join me next week when I kick off the month of spooky reads. Starting next week and through the end of October, I will be reviewing nothing but thrillers, mysteries, and horror novels. I'll kick things off next Monday with a supersized episode. I'll have a total of five reviews. I'll take a look at Jennifer Dugan's The Last Girl Standing, William Friend's Let Him In, Kirsten White's Mr. Magic, Isabel Kanyas' The Vampires of El Norte, and Elizabeth Hand's A Haunting on the Hill. Have an amazing week. I'll see you then.